Welcome to Featuring a Short. Featuring a Short is a monthly screening hosted by Four Wind Films, where an appointed contributor presents their chosen feature motion picture and short movie. The only condition for screening a selection, the presenter must have been directly involved with one picture, but not the other. I'm Justin Joseph Hall. Stephanie Gould was our presenter this week, and she does almost everything in post-production, including editing, animating, and color correction. She presented her short film, Dreaming, which was shot on film, originally accompanied by a modern dance. Tonight, however, since the film doesn't have any sound, we had a live score played along with the film. This was provided by a composer, Akiva Zamchek. This short that I made has my friend Bridget in it, and for my screening at that festival, I showed the film with her dancing with the projection of the film. The film I made in one of the 8mm workshops, it's silent, but Akiba is going to play a live mm-hmm. score for it. I shot it all so that I didn't have to do any editing because I filmed everything like very specifically timed out in sequence. I didn't actually end up editing this at all. Yeah, so this is just basically one reel of Super 8 film. How did you do the kaleidoscope? That's through these crystal prism things that I got. This sort of multifaceted clear glass. So for that, I was like holding them in front of the lens, rotating them to get that refracted image. I made the film with this song in mind that didn't end up putting them together after I had finished it, but it was a song by a friend's boss who had this band called Friend Roulette. It was a song called Garden's Tidings. But you couldn't get the rights. Couldn't get the rights. <laughs> no, I don't know. It just, you know. I, it just turned out as this silent film, and I like having a film that has no fixed soundtrack that could be reinterpreted in different ways. So I like that it can stand alone. The story is just sort of restless sleep and frantic visions or dreams. Oh. Did you do a lot of coloring with this? Or? No, I didn't do any. I know that the fellow from Mananoawari, he seems to be accumulating gear. Actually, yeah, they're building a lab in Brooklyn. He got this huge piece of very expensive equipment from like this Scientology church in California, and he had to drive across the country to go pick it up, and he brought it back here. He's a great guy to know if you're interested in doing any work with 16 or 8 mil, especially. I wanted it to go from night to day, so yeah, that's sort of how the lighting goes. And how long did you spend making it? Um, we filmed it over one night and then into the morning. And how did you get the cat to, uh, <laughs> That was just a very lucky shot that I got of her. She's not trained <laughs> at all. <laughs> did you actually film the protagonist in her sleep? Um, no. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> she, was, she was just acting. Maybe I should have done that way. <laughs> yeah. So when I did it for that screening, I had her like do a dance in front of the projection. So they were sort of in conversation with each other. I think I like images that have a lot of texture and almost feel tactile in a, in a way. I always liked taking pictures on film because 
you can get those, you know, marks on it from handling the film or dust and scratches. And I always like that extra layer to the imagery. Those little, like, happy accidents. Do you think it, it's too silly to intentionally corrupt your digital imagery? I have done it. Um, I, yeah, I think it's kind of silly, but I also find digital video to be too clean and flat. So for me, it feels nicer to watch when there's a little bit of softness to it. So it's almost like looking back at the 8mm stuff has different connotations than it did in the 90s. At the time, yeah, definitely. I think that with every new advance in technology, the era that is producing films in that yeah. medium always becomes iconic for that era. Right. Like VHS, or even like the right. first HD video. I'm running the same. Sort of the same idea with my current project. I wanted to use like a higher tech camera, but I want it to feel like an indie film, so I want to use like a mid-level camera. Can you tell the difference though? Between yeah. Really? Oh, definitely. There's Did just more grain. The nicer camera you have, the cleaner it is just off the bat. It's Even like, the mid-grain ones? Less. Yeah, because a lot of the darker tones have a lot more stuff in it. Also, the color profiles aren't quite as even all the time. You I mean, don't, yeah, usually, and with higher end cameras, you get more latitude and color space. Mm -hmm. So you, you tend not to get overexposed whites and underexposed blacks that they have much much greater range. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a different effect. Oh wait, if your mid-level camera is looking for today's look, what is the high-level camera supposed to signify then? The, high, the future. I, it, yeah, <laughs> the future. Mm -hmm. so Didn't fast. you say as well that you wanted it to, to look like an indie film? Not yeah, like a, not a Hollywood Not like yeah, a, oh, a blockbuster, no. yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe Hollywood films right now, that's what you for Steph's second film, since it's Oscar month, she chose a film by one of this year's Oscar nominees, Agnes Varda, called Mural Murals, or Mur Mur, which is a film of the famous Agnes Varda coming to the United States and doing a documentary in Los Angeles about murals and different paintings that live in the city. I started watching her film several years ago. She's 89, French woman, and was very influential to the French New Wave cinema and has done a lot of documentaries and fiction films. I especially like her documentaries because she's very much a character in them as well. And I, I just think that her vision and way of presenting her films is really beautiful and interesting. And this film is a documentary set in LA and, and she goes around the city and um, films all these various murals around LA in the 70s and talks to the artists and other people in the communities. With this film, which focused a lot on the Chicanos of Los Angeles, we ended up picking up some pastries at a Mexican bakery and accompanying it with some nice beers to wash it down. There was a Coors Light advertisement in the film, so we had those for refreshments. After the film, we had a discussion on Agnes Varda and her style of film. We couldn't quite finish off the baked goods, but we sat around and talked for a while. What's so ominous and prescient about this film, especially with the, the final scene and the very dramatic <laughs> uh, soundtrack, is it ends at the cusp of gentrification, mm -hmm. like which it hints on, on this development happening, but they, that word doesn't exist in America yet. And uh, the concept is beginning to become real to them in LA. The real estate is mentioned. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they're starting to talk about. It. They don't know what's about to happen, <laughs> like because it, you know, the '90s haven't happened yet, and uh, it's there'll still be uh, some time before they 
people can even imagine how cities would be devastated by this, but just with that really dramatic soundtrack, yeah, <laughs> it seems like there's an indication that this dream will be truly washed away, and she kind of sees it coming from afar. It's really quite beautiful. And so it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was one of the reasons that I chose it, is that it's when I saw it, which was only a couple of years ago, it still felt like very relevant. Yeah, it's, it's also a very interesting seeing film because we don't, especially in the U.S., it doesn't happen as much. I feel like is having a foreign filmmaker, especially with somebody who's respected, come and see what they find interesting in American culture is interesting because we do that all the time, but it doesn't happen here as much. Um, there are a few great examples of Werner Herzog. Yes. Yeah. Did his great study of the American bro in the early 2000s. Oh. My son, my son, what have you done? And that takes place in that. Northern California. Um, wow. Uh, and it's actually the most accurate depiction of this uh, American Gross. prototype. Except for Borat, right? No, yeah, it's very powerful having this French lady perform a little study in American yeah. culture. It's yeah. Cool. I like her. Especially though, because she just seems interested in people and what they're doing with their lives. She doesn't project anything of her own ideas of how things should be onto them. She's just more like curious about what they're doing. Except for with her visuals, and it's not, yes, so it's not the characters, but like her style is so much with yeah. like, oh, I look, I thought this was fun to look at. And it's like constantly like that. Or this is what the music rhythm is like with the visuals or something. Interesting that party that was being planned. Or there was a group that put on these temporary warehouse occupations and through like with some performance pieces. That little moment where they were painting like a, a mural over the course of the weekend and having different performances. It reminded me of like early New York uh, examples that happened in North Brooklyn, Cat's Head and other dominant occupations in the waterfront that became Rubelot and other famous permanent parties. I love watching documentaries from before the time that people grew up watching documentaries. So the people that speak, they don't, they don't know how one should speak on a documentary, so they come across oh. very strange to us. Non-actors, yeah, yeah just regular people yeah. who agreed to be part of it. But yeah, she obviously just had a way of making people feel comfortable. Yeah. On camera. All the films of hers that I've seen that seem to have a similar feeling to them. And to me, it seems like she's just a very approachable, interested person and she wants to know about these different people. You see, you see her a lot in Faces Places. I wonder what Agnes Varda's relationship was with. With Godard was like... If you watch Faces Faces, yeah. you'll find out. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yes. I, I literally went... That's right. <laughs> <laughs> With Godard? Yeah, you should watch it. It's um, Oh, no, all her documentaries, you don't really... You don't see her on screen a lot, but she's narrating her, them. Right? Yeah, that was her narrating. She's very much part of them. Yeah. Great film choice. Not fun. It was a pleasure to have you all listening again to Feature in a Short. 
We hope that you have seen or will see some of the films that we talk about. Please leave a comment on iTunes or wherever you find the podcast or shout out to us on social media. We are always at 4WindFilms. That is F-O-U-R-W-I-N-D-F-I-L-M-S. Thank you very much and we'll see you next month.